The views, comments, and opinions of the following program do not necessarily reflect those of Morris Media Studios, MorrisMediaLive.com, or its affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good. Actually, it's morning, morning, morning. What's? Oh, I'm Lewis Dix, and that meme was funny. Can you put that back? Was that? Uh, that was. I can do bad all by myself. You now that is hilarious. I don't like the girl thing, but okay, that's funny. That's funny. The wig is killing me. All right, Aaron. You know. Okay, Aaron. All right, that's funny. Hey, I'm Lewis Dix, uh, and as you can see. I am alone. It is uh, one thing you'll learn about comedians is that they don't do the AM well unless they're on a flight or they're getting paid enough money to get up that early. You know, most comedians I know are afternoon. But I'm up. Uh, new, uh, it's not a new time. It's just we adjusted it. And for the, all the people who are up, East Coast, you should be up. Uh, we have an interesting show um, for me because it's a personal show. And a lot of you who, who know me know that being a father is important to me. And uh, today, In a Man's World, oh, that's the name of the show, In a Man's World. Um, I want to talk about being a father. I kind of like want to pay it forward you know, to my dad. Uh, I want to thank him for um, Louis Dick Sr. For, for being present, which was, I mean, it's funny. We have our version, every child has their version of being present and their parents and what they think of them. I have mine with my kids and the way I thought that I was, you know, every parent thinks, you know, most of them think that they, they did. We all have different versions. I have a ver my dad has a version of what kind of father he was. I have my version of what kind of father I thought he was. And I'm finding out as your children get older, that my kids have a version of what kind of parents we were. And, um, and it's that's part of it. That that's because you do. First of all, you do the best you can, and to the parents who are out there who are present, and to all of those out there who have lost a parent uh, or never met their parent, peace to your heart. Because um, I, it's funny because I, I talk to some people, and I hear stories about people saying I've never met my dad, and he used to live right around the corner, or he lived in the same city. Or in some people, like, I, I, I never want to meet him. Or I just, you know, I, 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 some people go out of the way to find their father and then reunite with their dad. I mean, it's so many, um, um, I guess, celebrities or people who, who have, you know, just different people who have, and I'll mention them later, who, who didn't have their father in their life. And, and, you know, they're successful. There are a lot of people who have challenges. And there's a lot of people who had their father in their life who went left. You know, and, and as a parent, you know, you like you do your best to give your kid a foundation. 
Um, one of the toughest jobs on earth and that, that's, uh, that a man can have is being a father. I mean, there are good ones, bad ones, abusive ones, and ones that the government is looking for. So my question to you today, if you're out there, is what kind of father are you? Or what kind of father did you have or didn't have? Our number is 323-815-9... I'm, I'm sorry. 3310-323... You know, it's too early for me. 323-815-4204. 323-815-4204. It's interesting whenever I hear that on the radio and people give out numbers and they give it out twice because you still need it like three times for some reason. You, you realize you want to call and you miss it the first time. The second time you get... Half the number, the prefix or the suffix. So it's 323-815-4204. Now, maybe it's different now with cell phones because you young people are so adapted to doing things. But um, so I think I was a, a present father. I thought, I thought I was a good father. I might have, uh, and I'm learning this from my son, that my tone for him was, was too loud. I'm yelling because even now when I have a conversation with him and he's, you know, 20, late 20s, is you yelling at me, Dad, you yelling. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to make a point. So I'm a, I'm assuming, if I'm going to be honest, that, uh, uh, you know, even a friend of mine said, yeah, I met your son, and he doesn't have the same bark as you. You know, I was like, okay, because I guess I do have, and I know my players, I, when I coach, I have a bark, and I have a tendency to, and maybe that, I think that's, to be honest, that's me covering up. You know, I wish I could be more calm and, and have if I had more confidence in the things that I do have confidence, I don't yell, you know. So I guess that's, um, I look up in Wikipedia what a father, it's a noun. And, and, and I'm sure this has changed with all the different uh, parenting, you know, same-sex fathers and, you know, dad, dad, mom, mom. And I'm sure, because even during Father's Day, women want to change it or say, that there are a lot of mothers who play the role of the father, and they do. But that's not, this is in a man's world. We're talking about fathers, men. And it, it says that um, fathers are now, is a male parent of a child. Besides the paternal bonds of a father to his children, the father may have a paternal legal and social relationship with the child that comes, that carries with it certain rights and obligations, although this varies between jurisdictions. So, um, and you know, for those of you with child support, you know legally what you're obligated to do. You're supposed to take care of that child. And a lot of cats get caught up to where it's not their child, but they take care of it. And, hey, big shout out to the stepfathers who step up and the kids aren't even theirs. I mean, that's a, that's a man's man because you're, you're taking care of somebody else. And, 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 it's, and, man, it's so tough. We'll get into that about how dealing with when you're a stepchild dealing with the baby's daddy and, and, and even if you're, you remarry and, you, and the wife has to deal with your baby's mama and people just today just rather choose arguing than it's, and one, it's for the videos. I, sometimes I get caught up watching these videos like everyone else and people are screaming and yelling and just getting their likes up. But um, 81% of men say they whether or not they're fathers believe that watching children grow up is life's greatest joy. That's interesting. Because you, 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 you love, but it, it's, because it, whenever I see homeless people or people who are struggling, I say to myself, wow, that person was a little kid one time. And where did it go left? That person was, you know, ch is challenged now and just say, hey, I'm, I'm out in the streets. And you think that a kid was 
eight, nine, five, running around, cute, you know, and just like you say, wow, your heart. And and it's um and it's funny because you see little kids, <laughs> and I'm gonna talk about that. I've met little kids, I mean, little, where you just say, I don't like that little kid. And you're not supposed to feel that way, you know, like, and you don't know why. That little kid just rubs me the wrong way. They could be like four or five. You're like, I don't like that kid, you know, so. And then I look at, I was looking, I was on campus the other day, and I was looking at all these, these are like the campus I work on, little well-off kids. And I'm thinking, like, statistically, one of them will probably end up on the street, homeless, no matter what, how they started, their family can be rich. They just might decide, or their brain is not working right, and they just—that's what they do. Or and and that's you know, or circumstances beyond their control. So that's really you know. I think if we begin to look at it differently, maybe that way. I don't. I have three children. Um, two are living, and one is in heaven. And uh, baby Sydney only lived for seventeen days on Earth. Um, mom had a uterine rupture, which is ruptured uterus during birth, and uh, Sydney didn't get enough a- oxygen to her brain. So she was, you know, brain dead. Um, all of her vitals were working and everything, but she just, she was on a ventilator. She was, um, so to help her breathe, and we, um, you know, after 17 days, we, we, we took her off. It was, it was tragic, because it was our third child, so we kind of felt like, you know, we had this rhythm down, you know, we, we, you know, we really didn't foresee anything. It was like routine, you know, we thought we, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's in the hospital waiting and then boom, all I heard was she's crashing and bam, you know, they, they get back, get back, and they're wheeling her out and all that. And then, you know, she lost a lot of blood and it was, you know, we almost lost her. And, um, then, you know, they came and they gave you the news that, hey, she's, she doesn't have any brain activity and we're hoping for the best. And, and mom was just, and I'm sure mom was 10 times more devastated than, than I was. Interesting thing, mom just moved and we had a rock that we had her name engraved on and everything. And she gave that to me. One, she probably didn't have room for it in her place. So, you know, so I every morning now when I, I rub a rock and say good morning to her. And it's funny because around her birthday, you know, she's, you know, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, April 28th, uh, I, I get a feeling and I start talking. I talk to her a lot. She's our angel. She's protected us left and right. And you all know if you have angels out there, uh, she's looked over her brother, her sister, mom, me. And, um, you know, but... Um, so she's she's our angel, and then we have um, the three. So I know she's doing well because she's up in heaven. The three, the other two, uh, um, our firstborn, uh, Louis the third, and I named him. It's a big thing about naming your kids. You know, it's like I was a junior, and not that my dad was. You know, I I don't know. I just was. I'm like I'm gonna name my son after me, and I knew right away as soon as she came and told me she was pregnant. I'm like it's a boy. And I even wrote her a note, like, it's a boy. I knew it was a boy. I just felt it. You know, my brother had girls, and, you know, I was like, my sister, had, my sister, my oldest sister had a boy. My, and then I knew my boys was, I knew I had a boy. I just knew he was a boy. And um, so, he, and he, he's, he's cool, he's calm, he, you know, he's corporate. That's where he worked. He's a graduate of Morehouse. He's like 28, no kids. He has a girlfriend he's had for like two years. 
And he's going through a challenge of finding his passion, you know, he's and locking in on it. He lives in L.A. He's just going through what most men go through or humans go through at that age before you hit 30. Like, what's my passion? What do I want to do? And and we're trying to give him space. Well, I'm giving him space. Mom's not giving him space. She's straight up pushing him. Like, what you want to do? Da, 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 da. So, you know, he's got a job. Like I tell you, he's got a job. Let her, you know, well, he's got a So, and that, that's good on one end. But, again, being a father, I know how important it is as a man to give a young black man space so he can figure it out. And that's what I'm doing. Mom is, you know, and, and it's, it's good when you find a woman like that that pushes you because that's what made me grind because I didn't want to disappoint her. Bless you. Someone just sneezed. And um, so she, she's that way. I'm more or less, because my dad did that to me. He gave me space, helped me figure it out, and then... You know, that was that. But I'm we're just glad mom's ready to have a grandchild. I'm not, you know. And plus the girl he's dating is not that good looking. So I'm like, hold back on that one, you know. So because, um, <laughs> I mean, she's a nice girl, but I don't want to say she she ugly. She handsome. How about that? that? That's a good way to put it. But she's a nice girl. Uh, our second born, Peyton, that's my baby. Or as I call her, Pepe. It's interesting that, and those of you think about it, your parents give you nicknames that usually stick. I don't care how grown you get. They, you know, even now I'll call her Pepe. You know, we tried to give Lewis a nickname. We tried to call him Trey because he was Lewis the third. That didn't stick. Um, Mom has nicknames for her girls. I don't know. My, I didn't. I was Louie. I was little Louie. That was me growing up to my parents. You know, my mom, little Louie, when they called me big Louie, little Louie. My friends called me Wally Gator. Because I had a big nose with the alligator. That was part of my... Everybody had a nickname growing up. Now, I'm sure if you gave kids nicknames, it'd be bullying. So, but we had nicknames. You know, if you were fat, they usually called you slim. You know, if you were slim, they called you big boy. You know, just different things, you know. It's just how we grew up. But baby girl um, is... Um, Pepe, she's... Um, Ouch. She's uh, she's a, she's second born. She's aggressive. She's aggressive. She uh, strong willed and creative. She graduated from Emerson College and she's she does have a partner. She's been with her partner for over three years. They just, they just moved in together. They live in Brooklyn, New York. And it's funny how you can have the same kid grow up in the same house, but different. I remember one time her and we were washing the car and, and Lewis and Peyton were in the car and Lewis was driving, pretending like he was driving and Peyton was on the passenger side. And I heard Peyton say, start it up. Let's drive it for real. And I was like, that's the one that's going <laughs> to. And then I heard Lewis say, well, we should put our seatbelts on. Because, you know, the firstborn's name should be, look out, don't go there, you might die. Don't touch that. That's, that's what, because you, you're so scared as a new parent. And then as a, the secondborn, you're like, hey, come on, jump here. Let's see if you can make it. Because they, you, they're daring, you, you know. And, and so it was, that's what you do. And it's funny, just... You know how kids can. I want to show you a clip throughout because I know I'm going to be talking. I want to show you guys. We're going to play clip number one. It's just clips of comedians who talk about growing up and their parents and 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 different things that they go through. This is a Jinx. I think it's Y E O. I don't know Y E O Yay. Jinx, funny guy. I, I I've been going on the internet listening to comedians, and I normally don't do that. But for the show, I was like, okay, and uh, and here he is. Well, parents always like to tell their kids the same things, right? You know, parents always say, hey, finish your food because there are starving children in Africa. But 
how come parents never say the other way around? Like, hey, don't finish your food because there are fat kids in America. <laughs> Another thing parents tell their kids, I uh, heard this guy telling his son, hey, don't tell lies. If not, your nose will grow longer. I'm like, wow, that guy just taught his kid not to lie by lying to him. <laughs>
at the time, I didn't know that was her thing with the neighborhood boys. A couple of my other buddies, when I went and said, oh, man, I was at Brenda's house, man, Brenda, you know. And like, they knew Brenda. They knew, they was like, oh, man, I, I, last Thursday I was there. So I was like, you know, and I was like the athlete, so I guess she, I was kind of big and, and kind of looked strong, and then, and I worked at the corner store, you know, so, and then she's always come in there, and then... Um, That's interesting because I wonder how many... With the percentages of female pedophiles, because she's a pedophile. Oh, yeah, she was, Brenda was, and it was another lady that lived on the other side of, in between the blocks. It was another lady, I can't remember her name, but she was also, she was open her screen door, and wow. we'd be playing football, and then one of us would run over through there and be like, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to Miss, oh, Miss, wow. Miss Simone's house, you know, and, and. But what's a trip is that the guys were willing to do it. Oh, yeah, that was a rite of passage. I mean, you just, I mean, that's how you, you, um, you know, that was the thing. Be one, because our fathers, we heard, like, we weren't allowed, we weren't privy to a lot of adult conversations, but when the men were talking, we would listen. And their whole thing was about, my dad was really about sex. He talked about it all the time. So did he know that you had sex at 13? No, no. You didn't share that with them. Because what you, do you think his reaction would have been since he was he would have tried sex. to get some? <laughs> <laughs> he would try to. I mean, I remember one time, um, it was a girl who was, um, and mind you, our parents where she live at, yeah, my parents were like, you know, our I'm parents go over there and set her straight. So, you know, like my dad was when I was like 14 or 13, 14, my dad was only you know, uh, 20 something, late 20. He had me when he, he was like. Early thirties, because he had me. So was, was she seven. older than your dad? No, they were around. This, they could have been the same age or okay. a little younger. But she, I mean, I don't know. You know, at that age, you don't really know. Mm. Their age. But she was. Um, one time, my dad was driving me and my buddies, and he was dropping this girl off who was maybe. She was like eighteen or nineteen. She was my, our buddy's sister, and she was pregnant. So my boys used to tease my dad all the time about how you know he because I lived with my dad. I'm, when my mom and dad got divorced, I lived with my dad back in the neighborhood. So all, that was the house everybody came to. So they was like, man, your dad, your dad's a freak. Your dad's a freak. Because one time I found a letter that this woman, because my dad used to have women come over all the time. And they were really nice. They would, He had different women. One would come over clean. One would come over and cook. Okay, so were your parents married at the no, time? No, no, no. They okay. were divorced. I, okay. And I moved back to the old house and, okay. and, and lived with my dad. When I turned 15, I wanted to live with my dad. I just, mm. I wanted to, I didn't, I was away from my neighborhood. And and I remember that was a big thing for my mom. I went to her and said, I want to move with daddy. And she started crying and she dropped me off and said, hey, um, you know, it was around my birthday and she gave me a watch and says, I don't know why you, oh, what happened was it was a, I did something that to this day I, I, I just so regret. It was such a weak moment in my life, but I was only 15 or 14 years old. My mom, when my mom and dad were getting divorced, my mom went back to the house to talk up the old house to talk to my dad about getting furniture and stuff like that. And he, I was in the house in my mom's house and they were arguing and he said, go outside. And, you know, I went outside, then I heard them fighting and I heard them putting hands on her. And I was about to go in and then I didn't. Mm. And then she came out and she was holding her face and then we got in the car and, and then she stopped. How old were you? I was about 14. You know, I was about 14. And she stopped. She pulled the car over and she said, I don't know why you didn't come in to stop him. 
Wow. And I was like, I don't know, mom. And then she's like, and then she said, I know you want to move with him. Then she said, happy birthday. I'm going to get your stuff and you can go move with him. But to this day, it pains me whenever I've tried to block it out. But that was the weakest moment of, and, and I've never forgiven my dad for it. But like when my dad have tells you me, talked to your mom? Have did you ever, as a grown man, as, apologize? No. To well, your yeah, mom? I said I was sorry about that moment, and I told her I didn't understand. It was right before I got married when I had the conversation with her. I think you that. need to forgive yourself for that, Louis. Yeah. So that was a, you were fourteen. You probably were scared for one. You probably were scared, mm-hmm. and if you apologized to your mom for that moment, I really think you need to forgive yourself at this point. Yeah. I know it's fucked up. I mean, but what can you do about it? Nothing. No, no. And and then you try to find... There's that's, nothing left to do about that but to forgive yourself. Right, and that made me decide that I would never try to create that kind of home in my house. Even though at times I did yell when I didn't want to yell. Aaron Gladman said that's Will Smith's uh, story as well. Like oh, okay. Something like that happened probably with him. I mean... I, at some point in my life, grew up in an abusive household, not with my dad, but um, it, it's it's stressful for a kid mm-hmm. to hear their parents argue, um, to fight, physically fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I guess at 14, I mean, shit, he might have knocked your ass out or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, it was, it was, that wasn't the only time. One time I did intercede and he put it on me. He mm-hmm. put it on me. He, he 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 tagged me a few times, and 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 I was like, and I'm sure that probably happened before. That's why I didn't do anything the second time. But you know, it, it, like you said, it, it's uh, yeah, it's time that you forgive yourself for that. Um, you apologize to your mom. She probably doesn't think about it anymore. Um, but yeah, she's a strong woman because she's able to be in the same room with him and and with his new wife of thirty yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, after a while, when you don't, when there's, when you're not emotionally attached, none of that matters really. But, um, but at this point, yeah, that's all you have left to do with that. Yeah. So, um, thank you for that. Um, but some zero to five years old was fun years, man. It was funny because what was your reaction? That was my question, you guys out there. What was your reaction? Mine was positive. Um, I, I um. I never had any other slip-ups. That was the first time a girl had come to me and said that she was pregnant. And and um, right away, um, when the kid's mom said, I said, okay, we got to get married right away. And she's like, well, I said, because I don't want to, I don't want to have a kid out of wedlock. Too late. Um, but, um, so we got married right away. And, um, but I knew her and I had, were on the same page about raising children because that was a, a, a lot of conversation we had about and she was from the Black Panther Party, and she had a corporate foundation, and I knew I was creative, so I wanted that balance, and I knew that she would be a good mom. And that was one of my questions, too. Did you feel the mother of your child would be a good mom? And I kind of knew, and, and that she's proven that. Um, uh, and I said, uh, who was the first person you told? And then I wrote a little joke. Was it your side piece? You know. <laughs> Can I ask this? When you guys, as a guy... Do you guys ever think about before you have sex with a girl, whether you met her five minutes ago or been knowing her, do you ever think about this could possibly be the mother of my child? Uh, well, first we go by looks. She's fine. 
And it's all, it's all in our loins at that point. It's not in our brain. It's all that blood is flowing there, and that's what I want. And, and you, you think about that after when you're laying up. But you, you think about how, one, you think about how good it was. If it was really good, you're like, Man, she's, you know, then you start thinking about her. But no, you don't really think about that until you reach a, a moment of, Normally, I would say most of the time she brings it up in some form or fashion. The girl will bring it up about you guys being together and you guys long term. Okay, guys so don't think this like that. person that you got pregnant, that's not the wife you had two kids with. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the first time I've ever gotten anybody pregnant. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I made it to like, you know, 20, late 20s before, you know, yeah, I, 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 I missed so that. So you one. were in a relationship with. Her, yes, her. yeah, oh. yeah. I was in a relationship with her, and for about a, a year and a half. But I knew right away. I said to myself that you know, I'm I, I, that's the one. That was before we got. I was like, man, that's the one. And I was going straight on looks, you know, like wow, she's beautiful. And then after talking to her, I was like, okay, this is yeah, because I heard she was the baddest chick in the in Oakland. Yeah, yeah. That's how funny I was. That's how funny I was. <laughs> that's how funny I was. You can either be funny at different levels. Because she yeah, she she look at you for look. Yeah, no, no, no. I had my mother's eyes. I got good teeth. Certain <laughs> things, you know. I'm sure she looked at like, okay, I, my kids have good teeth. My kids have good eyes, you know. But uh, it was more about what we wanted to create, and 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 I think that was important, and that showed because we weren't really on the same page as far as bless you, as far as each other. We were definitely on the same page as far as what kind of family one we wanted to create, what kind of home we wanted to create, but not how we wanted to treat each other and love each other. That, was, that wasn't on the forefront. Um, so um, I, um, and also one of my other things, were you financially ready? Now, I know, I, I don't, I don't, I was, it's funny, I always say this whenever somebody has a, a new baby and they tell me they got a new baby, I was like, God feeds the babies for some reason. When you have a child, you money comes. Money comes. God feeds the children. So I was, I was working. I was I had done a little bit of television, and I was just stepping into my comedy, and and things were going well. So I, um, I was living in a little apartment in the jungle, on Aborn. Uh, my 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 rent was four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Uh, so and I was making a lot of money. So and I drove a little beat up Volkswagen. So and then. So when she got pregnant, we got married. We moved into the little place and stayed there for about a year and a half. Did her family have money? No. no. Oh, okay. We, we were both, no, no. Her family didn't have money. Uh, her, her family was somewhat very dysfunctional. Um, and that was interesting because her family was dysfunctional. She didn't know her dad. Her mom was a lesbian. Um, and um, she was really upset that her grandfather gave her cousin a car for graduation and she graduated and they only gave her a watch. Mm. And, um, and she was all, she had started her corporate life when she was young. So that's who she was. She honored the corporate world to this day okay, because they fed her when she was took care of her. So she, she really wasn't about honoring the creative side with me until she saw the kind of money I was making. Because I used to just tease. I'm like, I'm liquid cash, you non-liquid. I'm non-liquid cash, and you liquid. No, I'm liquid cash, you non-liquid. Mm. I'll make the money, give it to you, you put it places, and we'll be okay. 
So um, then after about a year and a half, we got pregnant again with Peyton. And she said, I can't deliver. I can't bring this child home to this apartment. We need to get a house. So I was like, all right, cool. So go ahead. And, you know, I didn't have any bad credit or any credit because I never purchased anything, you know, and she was good. So I was like, yeah, go ahead. Just find a place. And she went out and found a place. First, she tried to have us move around her white friends. I'm like, no, nah, we, we ain't doing that. We, we ain't doing We're not moving there. So I did. And I said, I wanted a house with a backyard. So we, she got the house and we got the house. And then it started from there. Um, um, the whole world that she created that I was cool with because I knew it would have been a, a good world for the kids to grow up in. Private schools, that that that, and all that stuff. I just knew I had to go out and grind and make money and hustle which I was okay with. I had been doing that since I was 12. So, and um, it's funny because I read that the fathers, fathers of over 1 million children are in prisons today. And, six, and 63% of teen suicides come from fatherless homes. So I made it a point that I was going to be present. And it was interesting being a father, first thing she wanted to do, and this was that corporate side where you have to stand tall as a man. She's like, well, we're going to get a nanny. I think we get no nanny. My mom can come. Your mom can come. We ain't get no nanny. And then she put them in this daycare, private school daycare, which she's like, they have to be there by 730 or 8 o'clock. I was like, no. I, I don't have to be to work till, you know, 3. I was like, no, they're going to get there maybe 11. They're going to hang with me around the house and play with me. You know, we're not, we not going with that. And she used to get bad. And then I was like, nope. And it's funny because Marcus King's, Marcus King's daughter went to the same preschool. And him and I were like only black guys there. And whenever, no matter what school or pre-K, I used to stay there because there was never any black males around. So I used to stay. So one that, and my uncle Jake, God rest his soul, had always told me the black men have to be a presence in their child's life on campus. So the, because a lot of people think that kids don't have fathers or black fathers. So I was like, no, that's not rolling. So I was always to the point where when they first started kindergarten and, and pre-k and first second grade i was there all the time until it was time the bell rang and teachers like and like you the kids mind you, you can't be standing all the time i was like, no no they need to know and um because they think every whenever you're at a private school they always think the black kids have males have to be tested because they don't listen the same way as little white kids you know and they they um he's always staring at me yeah because we're taught that somebody's talking to you, you look at them and you don't roll your eyes or none of that. Like, you know, you don't say what. And so that was um, that was our thing. Um, um, and it, 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 say, it, says, it says, daughters of single parents without a father involved are 53% most likely to marry as teenagers and 71% more likely to have children as teenagers. An interesting thing, I would not let men, if they weren't in our family, when they would come over visit or my wife's girlfriend's boyfriends come over, I never let them put my kids on their lap especially my daughter. I was like, I would walk in one time, I saw this guy with my daughter. I was like, hey, hey, Peyton, hey, Peyton, get off his lap. And he was like, I was just playing with her. Well, you go play with your own child. You know, because see, back in the day, the old heads made sure that the perverts stayed away from our kids. Now, we because we, they were perverts all over. And I just wasn't having it. I was just really overprotective about my babies. We didn't do sleepovers. If a kid wanted to have a sleepover, they came over to our house. And it was funny because these private school sleepovers, because our sleepovers when our generation was you went over your cousin's house. That's who you slept over. You spent the night at your cousin's house. You didn't go with a school friend at their house when they were younger, you know, because most of your friends were in your neighborhood. And they wouldn't, and in our neighborhood, they wouldn't feed no kids. You go home and eat. 
you go home and eat. If one or two houses, they would let you eat in their house, but you go home and eat. But we, only time I remember us having sleepovers or spending the night was at my cousin's or uncle's house, and, and they had kids, and we play, and we used to always bring our pajamas, and that was something I noticed, too, about we were kind of middle class growing up because my dad had a good job, and my mom didn't really work. But I noticed, the first time I noticed that we were kind of different was we had pajamas, and my cousins and them didn't have pajamas. They would take a bath and put the same clothes back on. And I was like, wow, that's weird. They don't have pajamas? Because we had, we had winter pajamas and summer pajamas. We had pajama shorts. So, And our, our cousins used to tease us that we were bougie. And my grandmother used to get mad because whenever we had fried chicken, we wouldn't eat all the meat off the chicken. Them kids waste the meat. They got to eat because my grandmother used to eat the marrow of it. And they used to get mad. These, these damn kids. And your kids don't even know how to eat chicken. You know, because we like, they, she used to make us eat, slop that, suck, suck that chicken. I'm like, this woman's crazy. <laughs> Mama was her name. She was crazy. She used to make us, and she's like, you had never ate no bone marrow? That's good for you. Because black people always thought that they knew what was good for you <laughs> right. medically, and they never knew. You know, like, look at bone marrow, you know. So, uh, but she made a mean yellow cake, though. That was the thing. I used to go over, she made it. But I didn't mess with chitlins. How can you kids grow up black and not eat chitlins? She used to dog us, you know. It was like, that stuff smell. We're not in pig's feet. I never ate none of that stuff. But, well, for them, it was survival foods. So. Right, right, right. And she used to, my grandmother used to eat snuff and she was to spit in the thing. And I used to, she used to smoke Philip Mars regular. And I used to have to go to the store and get her Philip Mars regular. And um, she used to smoke, she used to have you light the cigarette. Or you could go to the store with a note. Yeah, get alcohol. <laughs> D.L. Ugly has a funny joke about that, about how you on a big wheel uh, bringing a fifth of gin and some um, cool cigarettes. <laughs> about that. Uh, uh, but, um, so, hey, the number is 323-815-4204. Give us a call and let us know what it was like growing up for you. Uh, in about um, two minutes, I'm going to have a friend of mine call in, comedian Lamont Farrell. Excited to talk to him. Um, um, just, you know, just he's doing some good stuff, and I'll tell you about it. He's, just, he's actually currently working on a pilot TV show with a really funny comedian, Bruce Bruce. And he's uh, actually doing it. And he said he would take time out to give me a call. So um, I, I wanted to say the first five years can be a lot of fun. And, and it's easy. I mean, that's what you learn as a parent. You think it's hard from zero to five years old. You're like, it's, it, it's, it's easy compared to when they get older. Because it, it's, um, we didn't really whip our kids. Uh, mom, was, she was of this, one time she gave me this book called Perfect Parenting. I'm like, really? That's what we're doing? Did you read it? Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I, and, I, and that's the funny thing. I, I did all the reading and stuff like that for comedy. Because I knew... Was it? Did No, it was saying things you wasn't supposed to say. Stuff like, um, um, uh, shut up. You're supposed to say... Um, be quiet. Yeah, be quiet. You wasn't supposed to say... Um, uh, what was the one word that killed me? It was um, um, what? I, I don't care. I don't care. You can't say what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't care. When a kid says that, you can't say, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to say... Um, um, right now I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to listen first and you were supposed to come down. The book said, whenever you're talking to your kid, bend down to them. And then it had a thing of colors like, Hey, are you, are you yellow? Are you green? Are you red right now? I said, I told him, I, was, I told him, I was like, that's red light, green light. That's all that is. It sounds like you would do that kind of shit, though. Like, like. I did. I did do that kind of stuff. I was, you know, but. you know what I hate is I hate when I'm out in public. 
And unfortunately, I see this with a lot of black mothers is mm. they talk so bad to their kids. Oh, yeah. Shut your motherfucking ass up. Yeah. Sit your goddamn ass down. I'm like, wow. Right. Like, and you, th- and you wonder why they grew up talking that way. And it's funny. Yeah, no, I, I, you see it all the time. And, and half the time, the kid is not acting out. Right. But that's pressure. That's pressure from, for, I, I, I totally understand. Because it is a lot of pressure raising a kid on your own. On your own, because you there's a balance. I know if there's certain ways you get tired as a parent, you get so frustrated. Like even as I a mean, man, my parent talked to me like that, but yeah, right. <laughs> but just hearing it and it's just, I, I don't know if it's I, this day and age. I think but our tone was our parents' tone was different. It wasn't at, they 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 say those things like they're talking to an adult. Our parents didn't have the same on the word mm. you know i'll kick your you know mm-hmm. you really think as when you hear him you're like I, 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 that kid needs to be rescued and sometimes all your parent had to do was look at you. oh yeah that's all ours was just a straight look ours was just a straight look um but, but it, it, and it's interesting because um when you think about because uh, we had a thing the timeout chair and i was saying it's funny because all they did was sit there and think of something else to do we got pictures of, of our son sitting in the timeout chair, and that came from all that private school stuff. He needs a timeout. He needs to, you know, say something. You know, he needs to f- share his feelings, you know, and, and, and or let's have him do this puzzle. So, you know, it was, okay, I want to play this. Before Lamont comes up, I want to play this clip, clip number two, and it talks about um, being um, uh, disciplined, which was, I thought was really f- Fred Cleet, I think his name is. Growing up in a world like today where parents use time out, I, I would have loved time out. That's how parents get tough with their kids today. You know what, mister, you pushed me to the edge. I'm not taking anymore. Time out. That's right, you pushed Johnny's head into the brick wall and got blood everywhere. You're not getting away with that. Mm-hmm. Time out. That's right, mister. You can just grab your cell phone, computer games, and head to your room. I would have loved time out. If I had time out, I would have started out my day by just walking up to my brothers. Yeah, why don't you touch me now? Yeah, I'll take the time out. But my dad would spank. Not only would he spank, he would send us to his bedroom where you had to wait to be spanked. Spanking in and by itself is bad enough, but to have to wait to be spanked. Look at me, side section. We had to wait to be spanked. You had time to look at every belt he owned. It was like each belt was talking. I hope he picks me. One time my dad sent my brother Kyle and I to his bedroom at the same time to wait to be spanked. It's bad enough when you're by yourself, but when you're with another brother and you can see the pain and fear in his eyes. And he's saying stupid stuff like, this is gonna hurt, isn't it? Yeah, it's gonna hurt, shut up! We got so scared and psyched out, we spanked ourselves!
<laughs> I, I think that's his delivery is hilarious. His delivery is is, is really funny. Uh, Fred Cleet. Um, if you're just joining us, we're talking about uh, being a father and what it means to you and how um, how you reacted, how you dealt with it. Uh, what was your reaction when you were first told? Who was the first person you told? Did you want a boy or a girl? And uh, most men can say what they want, but they want boys. Uh, they want boys. Um, did you feel the mother or your of your child would be a good mom? Were you financially ready? 323-815-4204 uh, is the number. Uh, give us a call. And we were talking about... Uh, we were going through the phase of zero to five, and now we're going to um, enter the phase of six to 11 years old, and I call that phase the first. Um, first day of school, first friend, first bully, first real loss, first major scare, and of course, uh, first report card, and so you can see how if your kid is smart or on its way to this short yellow bus, which is an old joke, which you probably can't tell now because of all the the protective things that's here to help kids be better and not the way we grew up as far as like spanking is not a good thing. That's why time out came into, you know, because even like with, with, with my kids, if you have a kid, um, you know, under 28, 30, you more or less, if you were uh, that type of parent, uh, you childproofed your house. You know, you you put the thing in the drawer so they wouldn't open it. You covered the plug so you know, and so they wouldn't stick their finger in the plug and socket. And our proof growing up was, you stuck your hand in that socket and got shocked. That was proof not to do it again. You put the fence up there so they wouldn't go down the steps. And in our generation, it took one of your brothers or sisters to fall down the steps, and everybody's like, I think I'm going to go down on my stomach. <laughs> it, took, it took one kid in the neighborhood to run across the street, get hit by a car. Everybody's like, we should look both ways. That was just how, you know, we, we, we grew up. So now everything is child protective services, urgent care. You know, for us growing up, urgent care was Vicks Vapor Rub. Whatever happened, you put Vicks Vapor Rub. And I know all, all old school comedians do the Vicks Vapor Rub joke. And, and I can say, I wrote it first. That's what every comic, every, every comic does the same premise of a certain age, white, black, no matter what. But, um, and, and it was the, the whole Child Protective Services. When we were growing up, Child Protective Services were your grandparents. They'd be like, all right, don't hit that boy no more. You're going to mess up his eye. He already cockeyed. My insurance don't cover cockeyed this. And it's just different. I mean, even to the point of we, parents nowadays can't even smoke cigarettes in their own home. They got to go outside their house to smoke cigarettes because of the kids and them getting asthma and all that. We were growing up, our parents smoked in the car with the windows up, all right? And then they would give you, if, and then they would, if they had to get some out of their purse, they made you hold the cigarette. And if they didn't have matches, they would say, you know, uh, puff it. Don't let my cigarette grow out. Puff it, puff it. You, you, you 12 years old puffing a nine-foot wow. cigarette. Now you wonder why but you now, cough. But um, now... There's so much shit in cigarettes. There weren't as many chemicals. It wasn't as bad mm -hmm. as it is now. Right. There's so many chemicals they put in cigarettes. Not that it was good back then, but it's a lot worse now. And it, it's interesting because 
Like we live in California. And Did you ever try to smoke as a kid? No, I, 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 I at, at my buddies and I, Fat Paul, Peanut, and Boogie, got into this thing when we were like twelve, trying to smoke cigars. And I don't know why we used to walk around thinking we were cool smoking cigars, and it was stinky and nasty. But no, I, I was never a cigarette guy. Um, so we, uh, th- that's interesting because we just didn't cigarettes wasn't our thing because we were athletes too. So well. We thought we were athletes, so we played sports, and, and, and it's interesting things about, I have some statistics about sports that I'm going to read later, but we, we uh, as a matter of fact, it's, it says, and, and I did, I played sports in college, and, and sports I think is so important for kids to learn how to be, a, and I guess that's why I got into coaching, how to be just a better person. They say athletes are 92% less likely to get involved in drugs. I don't know how true that is today. Because, you know, we until is, after they get into sports. Right. Right. And, and it said they're three times likely to graduate the non-athletes and 80 percent less likely to get pregnant. And I thought that was interesting, because the one thing I say that as a, when you have a kid that's in a good high school program athletically, you know where they are Friday night and Saturday morning. They're usually in recovery. And then Sunday, they're at home with you. Um, you being a coach nowadays. This whole everybody gets a trophy thing. What do you think about that? Even if kids aren't performing at their best, but they're still being rewarded. Yeah, I think there's a certain age. There should be a cutoff. I think when kids are, you know, young and they playing little, you know, they're they're to the age of three or four or five or six. You know, when they're before they get to fourth and fifth grade, I think up until like fifth grade you know they all should because they are participating that's what it is but what happens is parents have a tendency to take the fun out of it for the kids by saying stuff because kids hear everything that their kid or another kid is not good he sucks and you're better than him and that that's when it gets into that negativity as opposed to hey listen it was a good team you know you guys are playing for fun and learning you're going to get to the competitive thing. But these kids, even the stuff they hear on TV, they repeat it. And they, they and then when they suck, it comes to their time suck, they don't know how to handle it. So it, it, it's you, because if a kid is decent at sports and he's really good, he's usually had the right coaching and the right upbringing. The parents humble him and they, you know, they groom him to be the leader. And there are a lot of non-leaders who think they're good at that age because they're either bigger or stronger. But it usually pans itself out and balances out by the time they get in high school or in college. They're not that good. you got kids who are in fifth, sixth grade who are really good, seventh grade. But by the time they get to high school, there's a kid that's better than them, and they don't know how to handle it. So it's just humbleness, and it's, it's, it's on a parent. It's on a, and, and, you know, it's on a dad. It's on a dad, you know, or an uncle or somebody to say, hey, man, listen, you have to humble yourself. You're not as good as you, you're not as bad as I always say this to kids. You're not as bad as you think as you look and you're not as good as you think you are. And high school is the equalizer because there are parents who will tell you my kid loves this, loves basketball. And you're like, no, he doesn't. No, he does. He's not good. And he just he just wants you to. So, no, I don't believe in the we we have a policy at our school. We're seventh and eighth grade. There are no cuts. So we had like 48th graders come out and like 47th graders come out. We had to make like two or three teams. And we have an A team and the parents are told, okay, 
We're not going to cut because back in the day we were cutting. The parents had issues with it. So, you know, you guys are not making my kid feel good. Okay, we're not going to have cuts. But you know what? There's going to be an A team and a B team and maybe a C team. And if your kid's good enough, he'll be on the A team. If he's not good, he'll be on the B team. If, not, if he's really bad, he'll be on the C team. Now, parents have a problem with that. Well, my kid should be on the A team. No, he's not. He's not good. So, but Your, your guest is here. Oh, cool. Um, super cool. Hey, listen, uh, this gentleman that I'm about to introduce is, um, he's from Philly. He attended Temple University. He's 20 years as a professional writer. He's written and produced over a dozen TV shows. He sold a TV pilot um, entitled Old School to Fox Network and The Trouble with Girls um, on UPN. And he's also has written on Girlfriends. He was on the tour, Just Jokes Comedy Tour. He's actually at, um, coaching his son up, who's a hooper. And currently, he's a professor at USC in the John Wells Division of Writing for Screen and Television. And actually, right now, he's in the middle of shooting his pilot, TV pilot, with Bruce Bruce. And he took time out. So I say hello to Lamont Farrell. Lamont. Oh, hey. Can, I've got to push a, a mute, uh, your mute button. Hey, here we go. Lewis, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. How you doing? I'm good, Lewis. How are you, man? I'm good, man. It's so nice of you to take the time out. You hey, know, you man. Know. Good to see you, man. Good I'm literally, like you said, I'm here on set uh, shooting a TV pilot with uh, comedian Bruce Bruce, man. So it's a, it's a good day. It's a good day. Good. Now, first, tell me quickly how that came about. You, you, did you go to him? Did he, you guys meet? Did you? How did you decide to, to work with him? Man, I... Um, I paid him, man. I said, man, I need something, man. So I'm, I'm going to pay you to help me put something on TV, man. So, nah, seriously, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, they, reached out to, they reached out to me. They were looking, uh, Bruce and his camp and had an idea for a series, a show uh, based upon him and uh, loosely based on his life. And so, uh, you know, uh, actress Terry J. Vaughn, I'm sure you, you know that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she starred with Steve Harvey and Cedric and uh, the Steve Harvey show and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but anyway, she uh, she recommended me and then my name bounced around and then they reached out to me and uh, told me this idea. So I kind of came up with an idea for the world, what that should look like. And um, they loved it and uh, hired me to write it, man. So I wrote and create the pilot and, uh, and we're here shooting it this uh, this week. So let's go back a ways. You, you've been doing comedy for over 20 plus years. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. So I remember back in the day, I stand out in the corner talking with me and Mark Alexander, man, a long time ago with you, man. That yeah. was a long time ago. So you, you're doing stand up because now with all these young comics, the transition is a lot different. You, how did you transition from stand up to the next time I saw you, you were on a writing staff. So how did that take place? Well, I mean, you know, I started doing stand-up, uh, as you mentioned, Philly, you know, the uh, Funny Bone back in the day. Uh, and, um, you know, started getting pretty good at it, you know, so I started opening it up for a lot of big names that came through Philly, Martin Lawrence, uh, Dave Chappelle when he was like 19, uh, uh, David Allen Greer, Mark Curry. And um, I decided to move to L.A. because New York was a little close to Philly and mom's home cooking, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so I know yeah. I'll be home uh, <laughs> on the weekends uh, 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 more than I would be in New York. So I said, L.A., you got, I got to be there. I can't just go back home with things if I'm a struggle. And so I moved to L.A. and, and, and um, puddled around for a, uh, for a, for a minute and uh, puddled around. And, um, and um, I, when I moved to L.A., I, I, I realized that um, 
that quickly on, I went to taping an episode of Martin. And then I realized that uh, uh, um, uh, it, it was, I saw the people down there on the, on, on the uh, director's floor look like me sitting in high back chairs with scripts. And I was like, that's where I needed to be. But I went to Temple University and um, majored in journalism. And I thought that could combine my love for comedy and, um, and uh, uh, my love for comedy and for my, um, uh, and for my writing. And so, uh, and so that's, that's what I did, man. And, and um, I started writing scripts on my own. And uh, luckily, uh, one of my scripts, uh, Robert Townsend, uh, uh, got a hold uh, of it and um, hired me uh, to write for The Parenthood. So and that's kind of how my journey started. Your first script you ever wrote for television was for Parenthood? Uh, yeah, well, actually, I, I wrote for a short-lived show on, um, for BET mm-hmm. uh, called uh, The Blackberry Inn. It was like a, uh, bef- before the internet, this was kind of like... Um, uh, um, uh, just for comic view, they would have like a, a little ten, five minute segments that they would play before comic view about the Blackberry Inn. Laura Hayes was in it. Uh, Bo Pete, the comedian, actually played a part in it. But uh, I actually wrote it with a writing partner, Norman Vance, and I. And um, but from there, the first network show um, um, on the staff was was The Parenthood. Yes. So what was the first time you saw your your name on screen written by Lamont Pharrell. What show was that? Uh, wow. That, that show was, um, the parenthood. That was his parenthood. Uh, um, uh, Barry Douglas was another comedian out of New York. He was a writer on the show. Um, and so, um, you know, we got hired on there and it was just a trip because Robert Townsend was like a, you know, a, icon he was a mentor and a hero of mine you know right. what i mean so i i watched you know him doing stand-up i watched him in the hollywood shuffle so to actually be in the room with him was like it's almost so surreal mm-hmm. um but uh you know we wrote our first episode and when it aired and it said you know uh written by uh had my name underneath it lamont pharrell it was even it still happens today man you know i've ranked for all these years but when you see that there's something about seeing uh, coming up with an idea and then writing it on your computer and um, before you, uh, before, then somebody shoots it, puts it on television, and then you run into people on the street or you go speak to kids, and then they're like, oh my God, I watched that episode. That's my favorite episode. You know, you wrote that, and it's just something that popped into your head as an idea. You know, it's just, it's, you know, it's the highest of highs. Now, man. your father was, because today's show, we're talking about being a father. Uh, yep. Was your da- is your dad in your life? Uh, my dad, uh, unfortunately, was very much in my life. He uh, he passed away about two years ago. Uh, but my father was, you know, uh, man, he, everybody's dad, uh, they believe, was the best. But my dad was one of the best, man. I mean, first of all, I had six brothers. So, you know, growing up Whoa. in Philly with six boys, no girls, you know, my dad was a, a combination of uh, uh, Archie Bunky, Bill Cosby, and James Evans, all rolled up in one, man. Where, where did <laughs> he you, was. Where do you fall in the lineup of brothers? Where are you? I, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. Okay. So I have uh, three younger uh, uh, brothers and uh, three older brothers. What did your father say to you uh, first when you decided to get into comedy? Was 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 he was he fully on board or what? Yeah, my my dad was a guy that uh, hard worker, old school Philly guy. But you know he believed in dreams, man. So he believed that you could do anything you wanted to do. Um, and so, you know, he knew, I mean, I was told people I was going to leave L- Philly and move to LA. They didn't believe it. 
You know, they were like, man, you ain't moving to L.A. You get in a car. Where are you going to do comedy? You're a comedian all of a sudden. But you go, how are you going to do that? Um, but my dad was like, hey, man, you want to do it? You know, hey, you can do it. I, you know, so, hey, go out there and do it. You ain't going to do it by sitting at home. So if you want to do something, you got to get up and, 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 and go out and, and make your dreams come true. Um, I think you maybe remember or don't remember, but my, my, my dad uh, uh, started, um, uh, we had our own business. So we were the first African-American family in the history of Philadelphia to own a, a, a fast food restaurant in a, um, in a mall in the city of Philadelphia in the gallery in oh. the early 80s. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, he, uh, he lost his job. He worked at the Philadelphia airport. He got laid off. And he was like, hey, man, you know, we got to do something, you know, uh, to pull ourselves up all of these, these doldrums, man. We, you know, we had six, like I said, six brothers. We've been uh, regulated eating hot dogs every day because we couldn't afford anything else once he lost his job. So he decided to open up his own, own, own business. And um, he said uh, Burger King sells burgers, Wendy sells burgers, McDonald's sells burgers, but um, nobody's selling fat, um, uh, hot dogs on a, on a fast food scale. We be eating these hot dogs every day. So let's turn these negatives into a positive. And so um, our last name, obviously my last name is Pharrell. So he said we can open a restaurant called Pharrell's Franks, selling the very things that we've been eating over the last six months. And um, we didn't believe it, but mom was like, who are you going to hire as your employees? He was like, right here, my six sons. Wow. And, uh, and that was it, man. So we opened up our first store in uh, 1982. We ended up having uh, three stores and um, over uh, 25 employees. And in 1988, we got a Small Business of the, of the Year Award in the city of Philadelphia. Wow, you guys! Oh, so you never won a hoodie award from Steve Harvey, huh? I'm just kidding. No, we didn't get a hoodie award. Didn't get a hoodie. Award. Hey, what was your father's <laughs> reaction once he saw your name on TV for writing that script? What did he say to you? Man, he he, he was really proud. You know, um, uh, I, I've had some uh, other you know similar success playing basketball at a pretty high level. So you know, he was always there at the games when he wasn't working. Always pat me on the back and. Um, and but when he saw me, you know, named on TV, man, I would call him from LA. You son, you know, but he, my, my dad's part to keep it real. He said it was funny. I liked it, but it, it ain't no Sanford and Son. That's the funniest <laughs> show he think of ever. It ain't Sanford and Son, but 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 I thought I, it still was good. It still was good. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing like the truth from dad. Hey, I, w- I want to get into um, how was Bruce Bruce to work with. I mean, I'm still working with him, man. Like literally right now, we we on set now. So um, he's a great guy. I, I never worked with him before, um, but he, he's a really, really good guy. And one thing as a writer, and you're dealing with comedians, you and you're writing comedy. You know, you know, he he's a comedic genius and has a lot of success. So, um, but he he's one comes up to me after the scene. Hey, is that, is that what you wanted? You know, did I, did I deliver what you wanted? Your words, you know, that type of stuff, man. So it's a collaborative effort. So I have nothing bad to say about Bruce Bruce, man. He he he's a he's definitely a, a, a really funny comedian, a really really great actor, and I think we have something really special here, man. What 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 muscles did you have to adjust when you from comedy to acting because you've done it all and now directing? What what is when it's your project? Is it different? Yeah, man, it, it's different because you're wearing different hats. I mean, when you're on stage and you're doing stand up. You know, it's 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 definitely different because it's it's instant. You know that. You know you you're gonna live and die right there on that stage. Whereas here, you, you do have a little buffer because you have cameras and we can cut, and we can edit, and we can redo. You ain't redoing on stand up when you're on the stage. So right. here, you know, I, I write the scripts and um, but but for me, it, it's it's honestly, man, it's 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 
it's it's an unbelievable feeling to write something and then to cast it and get actors like Bruce Bruce and, and others to be part of it and then see your words come to life. You know what I mean? Right. And and and, and, and then and then and hear other people hear it and come up to you and say, Wow, you wrote that? Oh man, that was really good. It was really funny, it was really inspirational. Um so uh yeah, man. Yeah, I, you know, I love going it's it's just you know, like I said, it's 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 the highest of highs. Well, I'm sorry I wasn't available to come shoot it with you. Um, man, uh, yeah, I know, man. Your yeah, agent never got back to me. <laughs> hey, uh, I wanted to, you. I wanted to know your family structure for you personally. If you're married with kids, I know you have a son because I've been following yeah. his journey. Is that your only son? Yeah, that, that's my that's my only son. Um, I'm I'm married. I'm, I'm divorced and remarried. So I was married for about eighteen years. And my new wife, we just celebrated our first year anniversary. Um, so my my son is sixteen. He's a sophomore. Uh, he's from my first marriage, and um, you know, and we're really close. What's his name? And uh, Shane Shane mm -hmm. Alexander Ferrer. Now I'm gonna ask you a quick question because we were talking about. So 16 years ago, we, we were talking about when you first found out you were going to be a father. What was your reaction? Was it positive? Well, you were married, so that worked. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it was it was definitely uh, positive. You know, it was planned. So, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't surprised. We literally, like, planned as much as you can plan it and ovulation and everything. So that's oh, so almost you, down wait, to wait, the, Oh, so you did all of the, that? Because you hear that yeah, we, stuff, but you never... No, no, yeah, we, 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 did, we did all that. It was totally planned because we were trying to get pregnant, couldn't get pregnant. So we had to really, you know, go into a doctor to figure out, you know, exactly when the best time for her to get pregnant. So... You know, it was like, it, hey, it was. It, I wasn't complaining, but it was. It was like a job. Oh, it was hilarious. like, hey, now's the time. Let's go. Oh. I'm like, huh? Let's go right now. Let's go upstairs. It's like, hey, we, we got to get it in. Okay, now, <laughs> so, who was the first person you told once you found out you, you guys were pregnant? Uh man, my uh, my mother, man. You know, and my mom and dad. Yeah, we called them on the phone and then told them where uh, we were pregnant, and uh, they were they were jumping for joy. You know, did so. you want a boy or a girl? Oh, I definitely wanted a boy, man. You know, um, I love girls, but, you know, I grew up with all boys. Never, like I said, it's literally all boys in my family. Um, my mom was the only, 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 only female in our house of seven men. Wow. So, uh, you know, she didn't learn how to drive till she was over 50 because she had seven chauffeurs you know, that could enough. take her anywhere she wanted. Um, you know, so uh, at some point somebody could take her to Acme. You know what I mean? Now, <laughs> so to the supermarket. Hilarious. Now you, so, you uh, I guess yeah. you kind of knew that your wife was going to be a good mother. Did, did you? Did you have any? Like I'm going to have to anchor this part because um, you know what was what was going into that. Did you have any? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think I would hope most people before you meet your significant other, it, well, not before you meet, but once you meet, you kind of look and see if this person is someone that you could not only marry but someone that could you know be a good wife and a good mother. And, and all those things. I came, I grew up in a kind of a traditional household. So, uh, you know, my dad worked, my mother was a stay at home mom. She didn't work outside of the house ever. And so uh, my dad was just a hard worker to, to, to make it work. So I saw those things. And it's funny as a writer, I uh, bring a lot of them to my stories. I wrote a script for Are We There Yet on TBS based off of my mom, uh, one of the episodes, because when we were young, she would teach us how to be self-sufficient, how to wash clothes as little kids. And so I, I did an episode about that, which is just funny because as a you know eight, nine, ten year old trying to wash clothes and different colors and all that stuff, you don't know what's going on. She's like, the whites goes to whites, blacks goes blacks, red colors go to colors. You're like, man, clothes are racist. You know what I mean? You didn't realize that uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> all that was going on into it. 
But uh, but yeah, man, my mom uh, and, and uh, my ex-wife was a, is, it was and still a, a really hands-on and, and great mother. We have joint custody, so he's literally with me and her uh, like three and a half days out of the week. We split it in half, man. So now, now, we spent a lot of time with each other. When when he was first born, were you guys financially ready for that? Uh, yeah, fortunately, man, I, I was writing, working on the show. I was, when he was born, I think I was on, uh, uh, probably Girlfriends maybe, or maybe Moesha or something. But yeah, I mean, I, um, uh, you know, was definitely financial ready. Uh, I was able to buy a house. And so we were living out in LA in the Valley. So, you know, that issue was not an issue at all financially. So it was just, you know, rearing and bringing up the best child that you know that, that i could and instilling the values that was instilled with me like i said man you know you from philly uh brought up with seven brothers man fortunately none of us ever been locked up never been in jail never had any real issues and so um and that's because my mom and dad didn't play okay so you know you're saying I mean? so, you, have, you have six brothers seven of you and none of them yep. none of them have ever been to jail nope and and um they're all living the life right now yeah, yeah, yeah. All my brothers, uh, not all, but most went uh, were college uh, graduates, except two of my brothers. And uh, but they're entrepreneurs. Uh, one of my brothers is a barbershop owner, owns a barbershop in Philly. Uh, my other brother, unfortunately, Jamar passed away. My younger brother, about five, about six years ago, of cancer. Unfortunately, never, never smoked, never drank, but uh, you know, he just felt a lump in his chest and he had a lymphoma. And uh, they got rid of it, but then it kind of came back and it just took over his body, man. But, um, but yeah, man. That's, um, that's, wow. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the stereotypes that they give, they try to lay on us. Here is Lamont Farrell, who had seven brothers. None of them have ever been in the system and they all accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. That's, that's, I don't want to say that's amazing. That's real. Yeah, but. Yeah, but it real, but it happens. I think we see in the news, you know, and, and there are a lot of negativity out there, but I think that's what they show. But um, I'm not the only one. You know, my family's not the only one. I mean, like I said, it, it's, but it's, it, it all stems at home, man. Kids don't go out and act up uh, out the womb. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's learned behavior. So what we learned in my house was self-discipline, was respect. And, uh, you know, my dad said, you'd be home by 10 o'clock. You home by ten o'clock. Yeah, if now, you ain't, there's, there's gonna be repercussions. Now, now uh, you grew up in Philly, and now your son is being raised out here in Cali. What was? Uh, did you have to adjust your parenting styles? Uh, what kind of dad were you? Uh, well, I'm I'm still a dad. So oh, yeah, I'm sorry. But, but I'm sorry. I, I no longer live in uh, Cali. We moved. We live in Atlanta now. Mm-hmm. So um, I moved from LA to uh, ATL about. Uh, about about ten years ago, mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, it was definitely adjustment. That, you know, and people say all the time, you know, you, 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 you kids act like they do today, and it's true. My son's a great kid, smart kid, is a really great private school that we're fortunate enough to be able to, for him to get into. But um, but it, you know, our, the relationships that we have is just different. My my dad was, I said, was old school man, so you know, it was yes sir, no sir. You know, I mean, and, and my dad, my kid doesn't, you know, my son doesn't get smart with me, but we just have a kind of a different, probably a little friendlier relationship than what my dad right. <laughs> and, I, and, right. I, and I had. You know, my son can, I'll be real, he could talk a little slick, not like in a disrespectful way, 
but you couldn't say anything like that to my dad. Like, yeah. you know, it was, you know, you know, it's a, he's old school, like, yeah. you know, like your pop was. So, you know, my dad come down and if you said, uh, like you wouldn't, you couldn't say what to my dad. Yeah, we could. Like if he called you, hey boy, come on down here. You said what? You wouldn't hear another word. All you would hear was footsteps coming up the step. What did you just say? <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. That's, yes, yes, sir. All right, I'm not one of your friends out in the street, and that's right. what he would say. Right. You know what I mean? And so it, you know, but now if my dad said, my kid said what? I'd be like, hey man, come on. You know, like we'll have a little talk about it, but it now, wasn't. You know, I wasn't going back smack him in his mouth. <laughs> you were you were a Division One athlete. And yes, so sir. Yes, son, sir. Temple you, University. Yes, Temple University. Played for the great John Cheney. Absolutely. Uh, do you? How did you? When did you realize, or did you always feel like your son was going to be an athlete? I always wanted him to be, and I always hoped that he would. You know, he would be. Uh, you know, he early on he played. You know, as little kids, four, five, six years old, he liked it. I didn't think he had the passion like I had it. It's a little different nowadays. We could talk a whole hour about this, but kids today is, is just different as far as when it comes to sports because of the dynamic of this world. When I was coming up, I played with my friends outside all the time, literally all day, every day. That's what we did. Played basketball, football, whatever, baseball in the streets, whatever. Kids, my son plays, but he didn't grow up like that because just the dynamic of this world, you know, people don't have their kids outside anymore because right. they're afraid they're going to get shot. They're afraid they're going to get beat up by a gang. They're going to get kidnapped. I don't care what neighborhood you're in. Kids are, you, you ride around, just go through the city. I don't care where you live. Ride through the cities today. Everybody listen to this call and go past parks and see if this packed with kids playing basketball or football or baseball. It will not be. Yeah. It might be kids out there, but it won't be a whole lot. And if it is, it might be, you know, here, a few are there. But most of them, if they're out there, they're with an adult. It's, a, it's an AU team practicing or it's a baseball team or a soccer team. Like, it's an organized thing. We didn't have that growing up. We just played. And you played for the love of it. And you played with older grown men. When I was 10, 11, 12, I played against people who were my, my oldest brother played at Penn State. So he was 10 years older than me. So when I was 12, I was playing against 22-year-olds, 24-year-olds right. who knocked me down, beat me up, elbowed me, which I would go home and cry. But the time I got to ninth, 10th grade playing against my peers, it was nothing. I was like, "This is what is this? Like, I'm scoring 25 points a game against these kids because I was going all summer against grown men who, you know, I was trying to battle against guys who elbowed me in my mouth. So my son didn't grow up like that. And I had to be his... Uh, his um you know his opponent and we would play out in the yard and we would go to parks and stuff like that but 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 you know i think that you know is a struggle for him and a lot of kids is because they don't put in those hours that growing up that we put in in the street and you just have to get better playing against older and better people day in and day out you're not gonna get better playing against kids your same age only at AU practice on tuesdays and thursdays did you play half ball growing up in philly Oh yeah. yeah, cut them pimple balls Co in half. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I taught absolutely. my son how to play half ball. Yeah, that that was a great. Absolutely, that take was... out that stick. <laughs> yeah, bat. Yep, put that yeah. boofer ball back. Cut yeah. it off. Stuff it with paper. Man, <laughs> <laughs> we ready to go. Yeah, we had fun. Hey, <laughs> they don't know nothing about that. No, they don't. Um, so I, I want to thank you for taking the time. Um, Lamont, it really meant a lot hey, that you would reach out. Hey man, hey man, I, I hey, you know you my man. So uh, you know, I mean, I, I like I said, I've been doing this for a long time, but I always remember the Lewis Dix joke 
You know, when the cops tell you in Philly, stop, and boom, 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 freeze. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I always remember that. So, well, but you. yeah, Lewis, anytime, man. You know, I'm, I got your back, man. You and, know that. We go you. back like cornrows. Right. And good luck. Uh, please tell, say hello to Bruce. Bruce, good luck with your pilot. And uh, and I wish Shane the best uh, this year in, hey, man. in sports. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, man. All you right, take, take care, care, Lewis. All right, bye. All right. Peace. Wow. Lamont Pharrell. Wasn't that nice? That was seven brothers. That's, that's, Crazy, seven brothers, um, uh, and not one of them is on the negative side. That's that, what a father. Now that's a father who handled that, and a mother. But like he said, and then he's a great dad. And um, so, uh, wow. Today, if you're just joining us, I'm Lewis Dix. The name of the show is is In a Man's World. Today, we're talking about being a father. The number is three two three. 815-4204-323-815-4204. Give us a call if you have stories about your dad. And um, I wanted to, um, uh, we had talked about zero to five, and, and I wanted to go to the six to 11 years old. And like I said earlier, I call this phrase, this phase, the first. You know, first day of school, first friend, first bully, first loss, first major scare, and first report card. And like, how did you handle the first day of school? Like now, I mean, we first day of school was kindergarten. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. Is it kindergarten? Because we call it different things in our neighborhoods. Um, Am I right? Well, you said pajamas, so you can go Uh. ahead and say (laughs) kindergarten. (laughs) Did I say that like that? Pajamas? Yeah, okay. Uh, How do you, what's the correct way of saying it? It's with a P and not a B. Oh, I said pajamas, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, every now and then that public school just jump out. And it's funny that you heard that. Um, the chat room did, too. Oh, did they? Okay. Well, tell them I said hello. Um, I'd love for them to tell us some stories in that chat room about their dads, if they could. Uh, yeah, call in, guys. 323-815-4204. Um, um, so now they got a thing where it's not kindergarten. They got another thing before kindergarten kids go to. It's like pre-kindergarten, I heard. And I don't know what they do there. It's preschool. Oh, okay. All right. Well, and they get report card. They, they graduate. That was another thing that, that always threw me, having a graduation for kindergarten, the first grade. I'm like, come on, man. You know, and that, that's kind of like your trophy. Everybody gets a trophy participation thing, you know. Because the funniest thing as a parent is, not funniest thing, is if, if your kid's still writing their letters backwards at a certain age. You know, we we did a lot of reading. My favorite book was uh, "Are You My Mother," and that I read to the kids. And the B book, the Bernstein's, but Big Brown Bear, Blue Bull, Beautiful Baboon, Blowing Bubbles, Biking Backwards, Bump Black Bugs, Banana Bugs, all that stuff. It was uh, I enjoyed reading to the kids. Mom read to them. She read all the Harry Potter books while them. she was pregnant. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and music and and um, but even when they got older. You know, in this age group, six of us, she was reading Harry Potter to them every night. They were excited, and I'd be in the room watching sports. And um, so I wasn't a Harry Potter fan. So how did you handle the first day of school where you were, you know, some parents stay there all day and their kids can't separate, and some parents right away just drop their kids off. They don't care. They just drop them off and go. And the kids are handled it, you know, but some kids have meltdowns, you know, and that's the, always the tough part in the teacher and um, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, you should get more male teachers in so they can help deal with that. It's just hard. I get, I'm sure it's hard for a parent to let their baby go. But, you know, a lot of parents now, it's all, um, 
it's all about the kids are right. We would we could never go home and say teacher said something and the parent would take the side of us. We're like, no, the teachers, our parents never took the side of us. You know, like, what did you do? What did you do? You know, so um, and um, it's and some like I said, some parents it's. It's the teacher's fault when the kid can't learn. Some parents think that the kids are the best athletes. And I made sure my son was going to be a good, decent athlete. Ball went into his hand right away. His sister also. I made sure that she was going to be a decent athlete. And I put her in sports early, but she jumped out. She said that wasn't a thing. And she started to dance. She said it made her feel uh, too much like a boy. And the funny thing is she became gay. So that was like, you should have played sports. But, uh, but I think I, she's, the, she's the girl in the relationship. That's what we found out. Um, the um, and this, we have a caller. Hello, caller. Is it male or female? Hello. I'm a male. Okay, good. Who's this? This is Sylvester. The Buster. Sylvester, yeah. Oh, Sylvester, what's up, Sylvester? How are you? I'm good. And you? I'm good, man. It's good to hear you back on. Yeah, man. It's good to be back on, man. It's good to be back on. Just doing a lot of more work. Hopefully. Uh, Give you guys better shows, uh, be more prepared, and um, you know, just just got to work on getting the funny going more. You know, that's what I was told by someone that I trust, and just pulling the funny out more, which TDP provided and Jeff provided, you know, somewhat. But I'll just we're gonna keep grinding till we can get it right. Right now, I'm just trying to give you guys good content, and um, I hope you're enjoying this show. Hey, so are you a father, Sylvester? Yes, sir. Uh, you probably don't remember when you was on last. Uh, years ago, uh, I used to call into the show. Oh, I remember your tone. I remember your tone. Uh, where are you calling from? Yeah, I'm from? trying to make it deeper. You know I'm trying to make it deeper. Yeah. <laughs> where are you calling from? Orlando. Okay. Yeah, I remember you. Now, you are you're you have a son, right? Yes, I got a son. Now I have a daughter. Oh, congratulations. Because you, did your son play football or something, right? Uh, I don't... I don't think at the time he did any sports. Right now he's uh, in karate. Ah, that's good. That's good. He's got to be able to defend himself. Now, how old is he? He's nine. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, he's got to be able to know he can handle himself. What made you put him in yeah. karate? So he can handle himself. Okay. Did you take karate? Nope. I always wanted to, though. Found out my wife wanted to, too. So uh, thinking about uh, the whole family getting into it, but he's kind of the prodigy. We got him in there, and he's, like, doing excellent. What belt is he? So... Uh, uh, right now he's blue. Okay, okay. Now, um, have you seen a change in his attitude, demeanor? Now, more confidence now that he's been taking karate. Uh, nope. You know, it's funny. No, not at all. It's, no, because I. It's funny because I believe nine and ten year old boys are so soft. It's just an age. You know, you know, they just. Yeah. It's such an age. You know, they just. You know, they're scared of everything, and you know, you you just really think, what's wrong with them? I had to keep asking my my kid's mom, what's wrong with him? Is he okay? Is he okay? But it's just a, it's just an, yeah. it's just an age. Well, he, he 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 never really had a problem with being scared of every with anything. I mean, he's getting he's been into a couple of altercations since he's been in karate, and he's done good. But it's just uh, he's still the same. It's, you know that. The discipline part is hasn't kicked in yet. Okay, got it. That's all. And how yeah. old is your baby girl? She is two. She'll be two next month. Oh, that's the snitching age. That's the woo. She's uh, yeah. Yeah. Terrible twos. They when they woo. Ah, uh, yeah. We we I I coined her the hurricane because she'll run through the house. But 
Oh yeah. She's daddy's little baby. You know, she'll she'll tear up the house, but now it's like, hey, stop. Yeah. I still yell out no and all that, but then, you know, after a while it, well now it's time, you know, to light a little bit up a little bit, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's um yeah, the girl is my girl came second and she just I mean, it's something, you know, you love your boy because you, your boy can be you. And your daughter, you're like, man, I got to I gotta protect her all the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, let me ask you a question because we're talking about being a father. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, now, you were married when, you, when you, got, you had your first one, right? Yes, sir. So you guys, like Lamont was saying that they actually planned it because they were having trouble getting pregnant. So where did, did you guys, did it just happen, or did you, uh, how did that go about? How did that come about, your pregnancy? Um, honestly, it was, a, it was a oops. It was a oops, but it was actually, it was actually, like, in the planning of what we wanted. Like, we wanted to wait five years before we had a kid, and when he came, it was exactly like five years. But, um, yeah, so, it, it was a blessing, because it made us, me and my wife, it made us more mature, it made us, you know, Cause like we we was we was just chilling. I mean, we do whatever we want to when we want to. But then once we found out that we was having a child, you know, we looked at each other and said, "Hey, we we finna be parents, so we we got to be parents." Now and we uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. We we decided we we planned his life, you know, the best that we could with the knowledge that we had, and and I mean, so far it's going as good as we as good as we can make it go. You know, it's a lot different from both of our upbringing. Now, when you say you planned his life, what what did that entail? Uh, we we wanted to put him in private school, which we were able to do. We wanted him to be in a sport. Uh, I wanted him to be in karate, and my wife wasn't really with it at first, but now she see the advantages of it. Um, you know, the the actions that he take, uh, like the way that we we uh, teaching him to read and teaching him all that little stuff and. Uh, how to handle the stuff around other people. Mm, so, so it's um, so you guys are definitely a team effort of, of going into this. Yeah, yeah, you, the best we can be, you know. Has the best it made, we can be, you know. Has it made you guys closer? You guys seem to be things seem to be like after you had your child. Like, hey, this is I picked the right one. Yeah. I'm yeah. just wondering, yeah, because some people say, you know, some people honestly, he's not a good dad, he's not good at things, or mom, like, can mom cook? Yep. Okay. So did you yep. did you want a boy or a girl when you first found out? A boy. Obviously a boy first. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm assuming you, I'm going to assume this, that you guys were financially ready to have the baby, because you guys, are, you seem like a planner. Um... No, I'm gonna say no. We we really wasn't. We at that time we stayed in a really small town, and we made decent money for that town, and and we had family. So I would say uh, we muddled around the middle. We muddled around the middle, but then as we we moved to where we're at, it was like we kind of didn't. We kind of didn't, but we we made it work, and now things have gotten a lot better, and so it's doing better. But yeah. Now, did you do you agree that for some way, somehow, I don't know how it happens, but once you have a baby, money starts to come. You know, I found that out. That I mean, I found that out because creatively, I just start getting work. I just start getting jobs. You know, acting jobs and comedy jobs. It just seemed like, wow, this is okay. At first, I was worried, and next thing I know, I'm working. Did you? How did that work for you guys? Well, for me, it was more of a. 
I had to find the type of a job that paid what I needed to to uh, support the support my family. And as a man, it's like okay, right now I don't make enough money to well, not not right now, but then I don't make enough money to support my family, so I got to do something else. Okay, this one ain't what I need, but it's it's more than what I got. So let me take this one. Then okay, this one better over here. So let me go do this one. I mean, I, I was thinking. Thinking about a week ago, I was thinking like, man, since I've been here for eight years, I've had about ten jobs. Wow! But it was all to do better to uh, support my family. Got it. So you did what most people say: you manned up and and, and got it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, now during the that the eight years of going job to job, you you felt that your wife supported you, or or did did it? Was there any stress? within you as a man uh it it was some you know we had our ups and downs mm-hmm. we had our ups and downs yeah because i i've noticed i i know this happened to me a lot and it's i don't know how other men feel about it and you can let me know but i i know sometimes it can be so tough um leading a family and loving a family because it doesn't seem like you get Nobody says thank you. Like I would go home sometimes, and everybody be enjoying it. I'd be standing there like, damn, is anybody gonna say thank you? Anybody gonna say, you know? And I'd have to just recharge myself by maybe watching sports or doing something, you know, that I wanted to do. You know, but do you feel that way sometimes? Uh, no, I, I'm blessed that man. When I come in the door, both my kids run and hug me. You know, uh, depending on my wife's mood, it's more you know the food's ready or whatever. But uh, as long as I got them coming to hug me, I'm straight. Okay, you I, know? yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm saying, say everybody's asleep. And because I know there were a lot of times when everybody was asleep and I'd be up and I'd be just sitting there thinking as a man, talking about, okay, I, I'm doing the right thing. Life is okay. The kids are fed. The wife is fed. Okay, am I being fed? You know, for lack of a better word. Uh, I, I I completely understand what you're saying. I completely understand, but I don't know that stuff. Kind of it, it don't it don't it don't bother me. Okay. But I understand what you're saying. Okay, good, good, good. Then that 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 means you've. Where did that come? Now was your father in your life? Um, until I was about nine. Mm-hmm. He passed when I was nine years oh, old. Okay, so now, now well that's okay. I'm sorry. Peace to your heart on that. So he passed. Was he sick or? My date, uh, kind of weird. Now I'm thinking, uh, he passed when I was nine, but I think my, him and my mom were separated for about six months before then. Mm-hmm. So, but I stayed with him for like a year while my mom was had issues. So, yeah. Wow. So that must have been. How, how did you handle? I that? was young. What? I was the the when he passed it. It hurt. I mean, it hurt bad. I'm 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 really one of them kids where like you know people could say something bad about your mama, and you fight them. Nah, that don't bother me too much. But if you say something about my daddy, I'm, I'm gonna break your glasses. Wow, <laughs> wow. So you only fight people with glasses? No, I'm just kidding. That's something. That well, I mean, I wear glasses, so you know, okay. just gotta keep it up. Wow, that's interesting. So you have a, so you have a, your trigger like like you said. Most people, if you say your mama's this, they go off. But your thing is. Your father. Now, did your wife know that? That about you? No. Reference to your. Did you share that with her? That there's a. You know what? No, I did. 
I, you know, I told her the, the the passing and all that stuff, but I never told her my feelings on that. So, who who knew about that feeling and that that was a trigger for you? Because we all have triggers. Uh, the school, my mom, and the dude I hit. Okay, okay. So that actually, oh, so that was an event that happened. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then you lit him up, and then and then yeah. Okay, so you, wow. Okay, that 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 um. That's interesting. Uh, I, I um, so listen. Uh, I'm glad. Uh, what's your son's name? Uh, Sylvester Junior. Oh, oh, okay. You got a junior. There you go. And the baby girl's name? Uh, Savannah. Savannah. So you kept with S. Well, my wife. My wife did that. She kept the S. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So, hey, I want to thank you. I thank you if you're listening. I appreciate you listening. I'm glad we're back, Sylvester. Thank you so much for giving us a call. And um, much respect to you. And um, peace to your heart on your dad, because I know Father's Day must be tough for you. But um, man, it was so long ago. It was so long ago. All right. Well, I'm yeah. not gonna say that. I'm about the your father dad. now. I'm the father now. Man, I appreciate you for being back too, man. Y'all, you gonna be here every week this time? Every week, man. Every, every week. All right. Tell the boss lady say we're off. <laughs> oh, but we're but we're <laughs> well, better... normally we're at 11 a.m. to to 1 p.m. But it's just that she has something going on uh, this today. That's why we're early. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate the call. Thank you all. Thank you all. Right. All right. Yeah, Sylvester, what a nice guy from Florida. I remember Sylvester from Florida. He was. Chuck Farmer wanted me to play this video clip uh, for you. Chuck Farmer. Okay. Chuck Farmer. Old school Chuck Farmer. Yeah. Hang on. Come on. Jesus. You are you mad because the kids are taller than you? Wow. <laughs> 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 Oh no, he did not quit. <laughs> uh, he did not quit. Did, did she say, "Are you just mad because the kids are taller than you?" Yes. Could you play that again? That is hilarious, <laughs> Chuck Farmer. That is hilarious. You are you mad because the kids are taller than you? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Man. He's probably, you know, he been probably, getting it all his, his life. life. And, yeah. he, and he's and he's And out, that was the final straw. Yeah, because he's out there. He's not making a lot of money, if any. You know, he's, I mean, he's he's short. He's And, and another thing was, because he, he didn't realize he had the power to kick her out of the park. He could have just said, remove her. Really? Yes. The umpire and the referees have the power that you can kick them out of the gym and you can kick them out of the ballpark. You have that power. You're in charge. That's your, and he. But he was done. He was done. He was. He was. He was not having a good day. Has anybody ranked on your nose while you were a coach? Oh, they, would I, you would have walked off? No, I wouldn't have never walked. I. My <laughs> first coaching. One of my first coaching jobs happened at Inglewood YMCA. Oh boy. I was there. <laughs> watching because I was trying to get with this girl and I was watching her son play and the guy who was coaching them they were so bad he quit at halftime he left he said I'm not coaching these kids they're horrible and he left and I was like <laughs> wow and was, you stepped in yeah and I stepped in and coached that's how that's how good looking she was I was like I'm getting some of this <laughs> and I never got nothing so and her son was horrible and I was I never forgot that but um and then but I think Mike Evans or Mike was running the um Inglewood YMCA and I, and I just kept coaching and then I Went over to Dorsey and started coaching. And I, I had a thing where that made me take whenever they would have a draft with the coaches. 
And I, what I did was I made it clear that I would take all the kids who did not get drafted. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, dude, Sleepy Love said he definitely had a short temper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He had a short temper. That's funny. Yeah, I can imagine the short stuff that's coming. That's funny. Um, uh, I'm Lewis Dix. Um, uh, the, the, the name of the show is, <laughs> is in the man's world. I wanted to play um, clip number three, if you could. Um, uh, uh, funny that this had nothing to do with the clip, but um, 70% of uh, black mothers' births were out of wedlock births. That's something. That's crazy. We got we to gotta do better, man. You don't have to marry him, but just be active or present. All right, here's the clip. As long as you continue to follow that dream, your dad's got your back. I got you, bro, 100%. Go, oh my God, thanks, dad. I go, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because I want to be an architect. And I go, Joe, I, I seen you draw. You got another dream? What the fuck are you talking about? You ever think about nursing? What the fuck That guy is so funny. Joe, uh, people love him. He was at the forum. Joe, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's a funny guy. I like him. But that, I'm going to show that, the end of that clip, I'm going to show George Lopez, because George Lopez was, had a funny thing going on um, that I love. He's the final clip. Uh, I wanted to... Um, the the last uh, that we did was six to eleven first the first report card first major scare um, it the the twelve to seventeen um, years old I call that why can't I have years um, and it's when these little individuals who you've created fed clove feel that they're in charge they um, they start. This is the period where um, moms go at it with the daughters, dads go at it with the sons because the daughter's developing things and the, and the you know it's it says okay it says this period is referred to as early adolescent. A child develops in four areas. That's what they say: physical growth spurt. Boys grow facial hair, and girls get those those two things that dad hate seeing develop which is breasts and we like stop it because then you realize your baby girl is not your baby girl anymore um and cod 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 oh wait a minute c-o-g-n-i-t-i-v-e cognitive development it's a public school sorry um the ability is to think learn reason and remember and it's funny because <laughs> that's the time when you say things to them like you can't remember anything. What were you thinking about? You know, and people always say this one thing that said that kids, you know, brains aren't developed to about 26. That's the out people use. But it's just, that's the age where boys, you know, kids, boys forget things they can't remember that, you know, they say things and you're like, what are you talking about? And they just, they're just, it's just an awkward age. And it says the third thing is emotional and social development. Kids, kids feel the urge to be more independent from families. 
And often friends replace parents as a source of advice, which is sometimes good because a lot of things your kids' friends know that you don't know anything about because they just, they, I guess kids at that age feel that they understand how, or have a feeling how their parents are going to react. And the fourth thing is sensory and motor development. A little awkward or clumsy. The brain and body are not on the same page. So, you know, that's what we deal with when they, that age, 12 to 17, they just, because they're teenagers. They're, you know, and nowadays it's even tougher than when we were growing up because you have all this technology, this Instagram and, you know, their phones, you know. And, and I totally, I remember we used to hear our parents say, I would never want to be a parent now. And I, and I totally get, get it. I, I wouldn't want to be a child now. No, or a parent now. It's tough. You know, the, the, the kids, uh, everything is on their phone. You know, they, 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 they live by their phone. You know, it's like that. Now, that's one thing they don't forget. They don't forget their phones. They, they can forget everything else, school, but they remember their phone. It's, it's definitely, um, they're, they're, it's attached to them. And um, you got kids who are like fifth grade, I mean, fourth, third grade with phones. And I always say to kids, like, like kids come to school in the morning, in the morning at 7.30 and they're on their phones. And I always say, who are you talking to? My friend. Well, where's your friend? He's right there. So you guys are texting? And one kid one morning came and he was playing chess on his phone. And I said, who are you playing? He said, I'm playing my buddy right over there. And I thought that was cool because I'm a chess player. But, you know, these kids, you know, they just, I remember phones were just coming out when our kids were born. And we used to have to go. Take Lou's phone because he'd be on it playing games. You know, that's another thing. So it's, it's, I mean, it's, mm, you know, you just, I don't know. These kids now, it's so tough. You, like I said before, in the beginning, I said, you think zero to five years old and six to 11 is tough. No, it's tough when they're teenagers. And then it gets even, it's not as tough, but it seems like it's more mental when they become adults. Because once they leave the house and go to college, you have a different kind of worry. When they're in your home, you, you can you deal with the worry. You know, you can deal with it. And, and I wanted to read earlier about how it, it's interesting. Lance Armstrong never knew his birth father. And Notorious B.I.G. was abandoned by his father when he was two. Halle Berry was abandoned by her father when she was four. Interesting. Mary J. Bly was abandoned by her father when she was four. Same time as Howard Berry. Maybe her and her father went to hang out. Um, Bill Clinton lost his father in a car accident three months before he was born. That was interesting. That was, we have another caller. Call, is a male or female? Caller. What up, Louis? Jay in Dallas, man. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Jay? How are you, man? Man, I've been keeping out of trouble, man. Just doing what I do. Nose to the grindstone. Trying to close this week out for uh, we go into the uh, slaughter the Indians holiday. Uh, you know what? That's funny. I, I was going to comment on the. I've been seeing so many um, real posts about what that holiday is about, and um, it's yeah, it's real. I, I think I think at the same time that um, yeah, it's a it's a horrible holiday um, when you get down to the to the rule of it. Uh, it doesn't have to be for us and our families. We can choose to make it what we will. Mm -hmm. And uh, black and brown people, in my experience, have always done a great job of transforming the littlest and the least things we have into something spectacular. So, you know, I'm going to try to make the best out of it with my family and, and enjoy ourselves as much as we can. 
Anyway, but on to other things, man. I was listening to your, your discussion on parenting, and I had a question for you. Mm-hmm. And I'll be interested in listening to your thoughts off the air. With so much changing in terms of the pace of technology, you know, cable TV is only about 30 years old. The Internet less than that. And cell phone technology is exploding in leaps and bounds. Um, so much so that what uh, was a cell phone when I was a kid now looks like, I don't know, a, a uh, 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 the the calm from Star Trek or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what the next 50 years, 25 years is going to hold in terms of the pace of technology. But our parenting skills, I don't know if they have really evolved or aligned. And so what I'm seeing is a disconnect culturally between the evolution of technology in society and the abilities of our families to evolve and adapt. And I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but as you're describing the kids interacting with their peers on their phones, even though they're in one another's presence, to us that seems weird. To them that seems perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if, if our failure is to comprehend the pace of this evolution and then understanding what the implications are on our children and society. And I'd appreciate your thoughts. I'll listen off air, Brett. All right, Jay. Thanks for the call, man. And have a good uh, holiday or whatever day. Yeah, you know, enjoy. So that, that was interesting. Um, I was taking notes as he was saying, and, and I'm going to start back. Like when we when we first came up, when our parents were were trying to tell us to pay attention, discipline, don't sit in so close to the TV. You're always watching TV. Go outside and play. Um, we had we had rules that were non-negotiable when we were growing up. If you walked in a room, you said hello. If it was adults, you said Mr. Miss. Certain rules that they kind of brought with them from their upbringing, our parents, which were a lot stricter, and they kind of, you know, I think it came to the point of when my parents, when our parents were growing up, they ate dinner at the table as a family. Then we started off that way. We were younger, and then when we got a little older, we were able to go watch TV in the living room or, you know, if your dad was at work and then you can have dinner, but you still, you know, didn't have to have breakfast together where their things with all the meals took place together. And so I think they kind of lapsed. They kind of gave us a little, little lead way to saying that you could eat the dinner at, in front of the TV on the little dinner tables. I remember that. And I remember saying, um, you cleaned your room. Well, can I clean my room? You had to clean your room on Saturday. But if you had something to do, you could say, can I clean my room on Friday, Mom, or something. So they evolved. And then, then I think we, because I had certain things in my that I wanted to, to stick with as a parent, and the mom had certain things that she was evolving into that I was like, no. Like when we first, she wanted to get a nanny. I'm like, no. She wanted to get someone to do our daughter's hair and I explained to her, no, you need to do her hair, put her between your legs so you and her can always have this truth together. You can't let someone else get that truth from her. Just like with my son, I'm going to be the one that gives him the truth from my perspective. And she wanted to let the world, because she was in the corporate world, and she believed that they, what they said, you know, was even though she came from the Black Panther Party, she didn't hold on to all of that. So I believe that these new kids, like my son, who's, you know, late 20s, I think they're 
even as much as they're into their phone, hopefully they'll meet a like-minded person or someone that's not as like-minded who might have some values that they brought from their parents that they are not going to, it's non-negotiable. Like my son, I believe, has a thing where he doesn't want tattoos. He doesn't believe in that. And he's, I guess, luckily, doesn't wants to get married before he has children. So hopefully that sticks with him. Uh, you can always slip up if she's fine. But I think that they're going to have certain rules that they bring into their home that are going to be non-negotiable. Phone goes down, we're having dinner. Um, you don't get on your phone to a certain time. Because they're enjoying this freedom, but they're going to realize how it it's infringing upon their growth. Because it is. And um, they're face to face. So I, I think it's because I see a lot of kids who know the rules and know some old school things that they don't negotiate with their kids. They want, like I see a lot of kids on campus, they'll sit on the table and I have to walk by and say, hey, get off the table. And then they look at me and the other kid will say, yeah, man, you don't sit on the table. Who does that? So I think where another kid who does sit on the table don't care. But I'm sure there's other things that he cares about that are important to him. Because some things, everything that your parent gives you doesn't stick with you until a certain, you, you get it. Like, all right, now I understand that. So I think that's going to help in the next 25, 50 years. I don't know what's going to happen in 50 years. That's going to be, because they're going to have flying cars. They're going to have different stuff. But I think some of the please thank you and excuse me in the home will, will, will stand strong um, once they get out of their selfish because we all go through our selfish period of this is what I want. And, you know, once they have children like now, you see a lot of the parents who have younger kids, you know, totally different. They got to act a certain way. They don't, you know, I, but and also on the other side, too, because I see parents with their kids in the stroller and they're on their phone. I don't understand that. I don't understand how you could be walking your child pushing your child in a, in a baby's carriage and on your phone. They pay more attention to their dogs than they do their children, a lot of people. And I don't get that. I just think it's, it's just too much. It's a lot of responsibility. It's hard work. And I can say that this generation is just not into a lot of work because they have gardeners. We had to do our, our garden. We had to do our work. And so they have gardeners. They have people who take out the trash. They have nannies. So they're, they're striving for this stuff. These kids know going in, how much is in their trust fund? So I'm going to have someone that comes to clean my house. I'm going to have food delivered to me. I'm going to have uh, someone wash my car who will come to my house. And I think at one point it's going to, they're going to look and say, well, I need to do something. What can I do? That's why they're all so crazy. They, they have everyone doing something for them, and they don't have anything to do. I'm bored. Well, go do something. And I think hopefully, and that's why there's a challenge in a lot of them when their kids are challenged. Their kids, uh, you know, have, uh, when a kid is challenged, a kid has a learning disability, a kid has, a, you know, autism or something, they have to now get, get out of self and deal with that. So that's, that's interesting part because when your kid is, your child makes you step up to do something that you have to get out of yourself about. And no technology can help you. It's, it's face on face. I have to, I have to bathe this child because this child can't do that. I have to, when my child comes home crying and says someone did something, I can't call the authorities. If I'm any kind of parent, I'm going to find out what's going on. And eventually, if it is a reflection of you, 
you will find that out, that it's not the other person. It's what you're putting in this child. So I think that's going to make them put down all this technology stuff and say, uh, are you okay? What's going on? Let me hug you. Let's go for a walk. That's what real life does to you. It makes you say, I need to have physical contact, face-to-face, -face, talk to you, put the phone down, not text you. You know, and I think a lot of that revolves around birthdays, holidays. I think those traditional things are going to stay with us. Like you said, Jay, um, we find a way to celebrate for us, not not America's so-called holidays where they abused us. But we're going to find family time and call it this. We're going to Juneteenth now is a holiday for, you know, we now have times where we we call it get togethers. You know, we having a spades party. We, you know, we, you know, that's one thing we do when we come together, we come together. And the old heads see the young people on the phone and they talk about them and then they tell them to put it down. You know, the only thing that everyone does do as a group is take the picture, you know, and there's nothing funnier than seeing an old person like myself struggle with the phone because I'm amazed at how fast these kids can text and with their hands going so fast, you know, code three just goes super fast. You know, and she's of age, so I don't, you know, some people can do it. My hands are too clumsy. But uh, but great point. I, I hope I kind of answered the question, Jay, and I appreciate you calling. Jay sounds so intelligent, and I know he is. So, I mean, he's so, I, I'm, I can just hear him explaining something to his child or his wife about his feelings and communicating. He just seems like a great communicator, which is one of the things that to be a good father, you have to be a good communicator. Um, so thank you. Yeah, Jamie Foxx was abandoned by both his parents and raised by his adopted grandmother, which I thought is interesting. But, you know, then I, I read or heard him say that as he moved his fam his mom and dad in with him. Uh, excuse me. Jay-Z was abandoned by his dad. Alicia Keys grew up with, without a father. LL Cool J grew up with, with an abusive father. And Lindsay Lohan grew up without a father while he was in prison. Wow. Um... Marilyn Monroe grew up without a father. Demi Moore was abandoned by her father before she was born. Well, how does she know? I'm just kidding. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq grew up without his birth father, but his stepfather, he, may, he always makes a point about, about how important his stepfather was. Al Pacino grew up uh, in his grandparents' home with his mother. And um, John Stewart was raised primarily by his mother. Kanye West was abandoned by his father when he was three. Um, so, and I'm sure there are many more who, um, you know, who just didn't have dad around, but you made it. So that's important that you, um, I, I enjoyed this show. I, I enjoy any time I get to talk about being a father. Uh, I want to thank Jay and, uh, and my man, um, Sylvester. Was it Sylvester? Yeah, I, um, there's some breaking news I just want to add, but we got to get up out of here okay. in a minute. But that Kyle Rittenhouse guy, not guilty on all charges. The guy who killed um, two protesters at a Black Lives Matter rally. Wow. Not guilty. You see the judge favored him so much. Um, wow. Just amazing. Wow. Not guilty. You've been following the case? Yeah, I've been trying I've been bit. trying not to follow it, but I've been following it and that's amazing that he is not guilty on all accounts to the point to where when the judge dismissed the the weapons charge, right. 
I'm like it was a wrap after that. It was like right. it's it's no way. I, I mean, America is is if nothing else, America's America is consistent about who they want to be in jail, um, and who they want to. My gosh, that is young white boys. Pretty much, they don't want. Well, here's one. They don't want to lock them up. But here's one thing we do know for sure. I mean, karma is real, and he's it's going to come get him. It's going to get him. I just hope it's just it just reminds me of the other situation that the the guy that killed um, Trayvon Martin. Right, uh, George Zimmerman. Yeah. But it's interesting too, though, that these were the two people he killed looked like him, and the person he shot looked like him. And but I it's probably the fact that it was at a Black Lives Matter, Matter rally. Right. If it wasn't. Right. And I think but they they did not see they didn't even see they wouldn't even let him call them victims. So they didn't see them as. Hey, listen, uh, I want to thank you all. Um, oh, I just wanted to say one quick thing. That I, I thought was important, which, of course, I think everything is important. I hope everyone has a good holiday. All right, come on with it. Um, OK, sorry. It's. um as fathers, we have infinite dreams, hopes uh, for our children. Uh, we want them to be the best they can be. and But the one main thing that we wish for them is their happiness. So uh, kids, do your best. Hang in there. Parents, hang in there. Dads, hang in there. Thank you, uh, boss lady. Uh, we're off next week, right? Uh, holiday. Enjoy your holiday, and we'll see you the week after. Talk to you later. Uh, in a man's world, Louis Dix, we're out.